The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Kevin Paul, um, by myself right now, just to make sure that no one cuts me off like our wonderful co-host did last week, but this is the world's most ethical college football podcast. Uh, Ross is actually joining right now, um, and I'm going to let him have the floor since we have already intro this podcast. Hey, Ross. Hey, we can talk now, Ross, because I actually let myself uh, do the intro before you came in. See, I think it's better when I when I just come in firing from the hip. No, you see, I, I think I'd vehemently disagree with that, Ross, but it's okay. We can't all be right about everything all the time. Mm. You say that, but yet my lived experience disagrees. So, Ross, th- we are recording on a Tuesday here. Normally, at this point, I'd ask how your week's been going. And I guess I can still do that, but there's just not really a big sample size, is there, this time around? No, not a huge sample size. But so far, it's been it's been pretty good. I, uh, I, uh, I think I was telling you, KP, yesterday that um, I returned – this week to one of my all-time favorite activities, which is spending time inside a movie theater. Now that I am fully stabbed up and street legal, I, uh, mm-hmm. I drove down to uh, to Alexandria last night and I caught two movies, and it was just absolutely beautiful. I I couldn't be happier. Now, are you street legal, even if it is Johnson and Johnson? Oh, most definitely. That's the most street legal there is. Oh, do we? Have it's more the Johnson limited and Johnson edition. Folk here? Yeah. Johnson and Johnson gang is the best that there is. Thank you. We're, ex- we're exclusive. Yeah, we're limited edition. Y'all can't keep up. Yeah, Wait, Andrew, a- you, Andrew I thought about- Well, Did no, you think- Andrew, I thought you were a um I thought you were a Pfizer guy cuz you're hot. Like and all hot people have Pfizer. And no, 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 no. I'm redefining I'm redefining this narrative. No, well, you you can't do that. Twitter already decided that Pfizer's for hot people. I, you know, I, it is what it is, man. Can't change that. No, that, uh, that is generally, um, 
generally the way that I've operated is we've, you know, we got to stay low. We've got to keep firing. I can't be spending all of my time uh, waiting between vaccines. I'm a busy man with things to do. I don't, I don't have anything to do. Yeah. As, when I, as, after, an, as after, an also <laughs> busy man, I, you know, getting that one shot, you know, one shot and done. It's the way one to, shot, it's the only way to live really. And done. Yeah. After and, I, I, you're given, after I, you're given, after I, what's up, Ross? I was going to say, you're giving far too much credit to us, uh, to the millennials on Twitter. I believe it was the Gen Z on TikTok that decided that uh, Pfizer was for hot people. Well, fuck Gen Z. Uh, I feel very confident saying that. Um, but listen, man, I didn't just get my shot and then sit in the dark room not saying or doing anything for four weeks. I lived my life, man knowing that there was promise at the end of it. See, I feel like if you get Johnson & Johnson, you're almost lazy. You know, you're not – you don't understand the reward of a hard four weeks' work. Um, and I do. So, um, yeah, it feels good to be fully vexed up. It is Shot Boy Summer. Um, looking forward to it. Uh, shout, well, out to, shout out to Scott McFarland, Pfizer gang forever. You know, the family is strong. You know, we, we out KP, here. as the person who in one – afternoon got myself my dad and my mom booked for shot appointments i refute that uh characterization of being lazy because finding an appointment in new york city at the time was incredibly difficult well that's um, too damn you bad to be, Ross. you had to be out in the that's... internet streets fighting with people at the six minute after the hour drop of new appointments yeah you you should you should live in a state where vaccines are uh, not in high demand and be super super easy you just have to drive one state over and you're good to go. Yeah. Mm. Dang, Ross, if only had I had any experience of living in New York City during a pandemic. <laughs> if, <laughs> only, if only. Well, to be fair, KP, you lived in Queens, so. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> Pretty sure Queens was worse, but um, it's going forward. Fellas, we, there's not much on the college football calendar right now as we spoke about, yeah, you know. If in you our have pre- no imagination. In our pre-show meeting, um, it's always kind of a weird time in college football because after spring practice, there's not a lot that goes on until media days, which is why we always see some bullshit like realignment or, you know, the Pac-12 decide, like commissioners changing um, at the head of conferences, always after spring ball, like without fail every year. Um, But there was the draft last week, and – I thought it was very intriguing. I want to congratulate you, Andrew, on uh, the Georgia Bulldogs um, getting all members of their secondary drafted. I mean, very proud of them. Uh, Kirby Kirby got them boys coached up. We joked about it for years, but he, he did it, man. He did it. And we have the, the hardware to show for it. All, all the hardware, man. <laughs> there are so many SEC East title rings. <laughs> There's at least, what, two? Three. Uh, don't, don't make me count. There's three. <laughs> and, a, and an SEC title outright, straight up. 2017. All right. All right. Fuck Auburn. And this is – look, okay, this is also – I know we talked about this a lot last week. But, I mean, this is why I love the plus one bowl system. Because in a normal year, maybe Georgia goes to the national championship after winning the Rose Bowl. But if not – Fuck it, man. We just won the Rose Bowl. <laughs> we went 12-1. and one. Great year. See, that is the bullshit part about the playoff <laughs> system is if we're just going to end up in the Sugar Bowl, might as well have the Sugar Bowl fucking mean something. 
Yeah, I mean, and it did until the playoff became a thing. Like, even back in 2011, it was random as hell because that was the year of the Bama LSU rematch. But it was Virginia Tech against Michigan, and that was a great game. And then Michigan won the Sugar Bowl, and it was, like, a big deal at the time. It was cool. Denard Robinson against um, Logan, <laughs> Logan Thomas. But it was a great game. And I, I feel like something. I feel like the bowl discussion is the COVID talk of the real world. <laughs> or of the, of the college football world, I mean. It's just it's just the very easy uh, college football default uh, bitch em up because there's either not there's either not enough teams, there's too much teams, the BCS actually was somehow better, or I I just really love like I've been I've been going back and forth on this uh, during quarantine where me just being a miserable sack like the thing that you may have asked for early in quarantine if you end up gets like oh my god I can't wait to do this and then the X happens and it's like all right well on to the fucking next thing I feel like the college football playoff is the same way like we're gonna move it to eight and then we're gonna be like you know what I like. I liked it being back to four or they're going to go to the plus one system and be like, you know what? We should have gone to like, there is just no way that we're going to possibly be happy during this. Look, this is why the, the AP just deciding it, obviously a super flawed system, but I was back when the national championship, like didn't mean much. Like there are stories about when Alabama wanted under bear Bryant, he would get like a phone call or something. And then he told his team, and they would all cheer with each other for like two minutes and then just go back into meetings. Like that, like that's how much that quote unquote national championship used to mean. But it's like, Hey man, we had a great season. We went to the sugar bowl and we beat Notre Dame. Like, yeah. Awesome. That's it. Cool. That's an, that's a great time for everybody. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm just excited for, um, this inevitable loss to Clemson and then other early loss in the season to uh, doom our college football playoff hopes again. Oh, Andrew, you should know Clemson never peaks early in the season. They always look like shit in September under Dabo. So you get you keep that in mind, you know. Yeah, but you're you're talking to a man that has seen a, a Georgia team lose to Clemson in the first game of the season before. Yeah, but then you beat the shit out of them the next year. So, you know, anything can happen. <laughs> we just need them to start Cole Stout over Deshaun Watson. <laughs> well, Clemson almost lost to A&M, like, what, two years ago? Yeah. In, like, week two? Yeah, Three, when, uh, yeah, two years ago. That was pre uh, – that was, I think, the game after that they benched Kelly Bryant for good. Yeah, because that was, like, week two or three – and that was like it's what four you get four games before you have to decide whether or not you're redshirting. Um, yeah, but yeah, Trevor like Kelly Bryan had a great game that game. Like, and honestly, like they probably don't win it without him. But Trevor Lawrence went something like four for six, hundred seventeen yards and a touchdown again <laughs> off the bench in that game. Like, what are you gonna do? You know. Yeah, I think that uh, I he I, I, have we talked about him yet? Did y'all did y'all touch on him before I hopped on? We haven't talked about the draft yet, except for all um, the entire Georgia secondary getting drafted, which is huge. I'm really, really Rippy's here. Well. I feel like we should say hey to Rippy. Hi, what's up? What's up, Rip? What Not a whole lot. About, what makes you mad about baseball this week? I don't know. I feel like that's something that <laughs> we can always I, get Rippy going on. I saw I, – I, I loosely followed the Reds still, and I saw that they had a fight last week 
uh, or over the weekend with the Cubs. The Reds in a fight? What? Ran out of the dugout to yell at Amir Garrett, and the pitcher's the one that got suspended, not the guy that came out of the dugout uh, double burden. I love that. Well, there there should be a rule that Javi Baez isn't allowed to get ejected because he is the coolest player in baseball. <laughs> uh, wrong. No, it's not wrong. Bad. No, it's not. God, dude, this is like you stop talking about he your ex girlfriend. She's game. not gonna come. She's not coming back, Ross. Wait, who did you say? Who did you say? Who did you say? Who did you say? He said Mookie Betts. So much. No, the thing is, I think it's better if we say Mookie Betts is the coolest player because it, it just hurts even more for for Ross. Yeah, that is true. That is so that, no, that's, that's like me being like, you know who the coolest college football player is? Justin Fields. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of, speaking of, can 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 uh, I feel like KP and I can at least commiserate on this a little bit? Are you just fucking tired of the Saints? fucking tweeting out eyes emojis or us having like Loomis is going to go crazy this year. And then we pick a, a, a defensive lineman from a, a small school in Texas that no one's ever heard of. We've done this twice now. We traded up with Lamar Jackson on the board and we picked, we traded a first round pick for a defensive tackle from the university of Texas, San Antonio. Man, I look, Okay, I the one thing I will say, Mickey Loom, the last five or six years, Mickey Loomis has drafted well. However, it's just like the weird like he makes it so hard. It's like the one meme like, can you just be normal for one second? And it's a kid screaming in the back seat. Like that's a that's the Saints on draft night every year. It really, I mean, like I I have come to like. I, I, just on the whole, like I recognize as an NFL franchise, you just like generally if you no one's going to make every correct decision with a roster of 53 plus practice squad plus everything else plus a hard salary cap. Like I recognize that those people's jobs are probably a little bit more difficult than other GMs because the other GMs are basically just like owner babysitters. And so I do ultimately trust Mickey Loomis, but like, it is really – like, where do these leaks come from? Are they just fucking with the media? I mean, like, there was the official Saints team account. Like, what? where is the disconnect here? Why is there always chatter around the Saints doing something and then nothing comes to fruition? I, I think like, – so yeah, I'm, sorry, I'm go, not a Saints Ross. fan, so I have, I, I think, some objectivity. But I, I feel like the Saints are just, like, the exact same as the Gruden Raiders if the picks turned out. Like, it's like every no one expects them to take who they're going to take. They take it at a weird spot. It's like this guy who's probably overdrafted. You could have gotten him later. No one else had him on their board at that point, except for the Raiders. The picks, like, never turn out. And then yeah, the but, Saints, it's like you never hear about him for a year. And then the next year, it's like, oh, that dude is on the Pro Bowl with 12 sacks? All right. Yeah, but I want us to draft Darius Hayward Bay just because he runs a 4-3. Like, just one time. It's been seven years in a row that we've drafted, drafted an offensive or defensive tackle. And that's great because we have a great offensive and defensive line and win games because of it. But I want to get hyped at least one draft night. So would the, would the whole – had the whole top ten for Mac Jones trade-up worked out, you would have been pumped? No, I would have killed myself. <laughs> Mac Jones no. was no. – look, here's the thing. I think Mac Jones can be fine or decent. Look, okay. 
none of the top five quarterbacks could be worse than Drew Brees has been the last two or three years. Right. Brees was fine. And no, Brees was good in 18. He was a second. He was runner up to the MVP. The yeah. And, and then the Rams playoff game happened when he just he, couldn't. He was never the same. He was <laughs> never the same. After, after he fucked up his thumb on Aaron Donald's helmet, he was never the same. Yeah. Um, so, so like, like the la- last year and a half of his career was just dog shit. So even if you put Mac Jones in, in on the Saints right now, I don't think we get worse than we were last year. No, but I don't think Mac Jones is better than Jameis right now. No, I don't. Jameis is way more exciting, if nothing else. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like at least with Sean, like like it, if we're going to have Sean Payton as our play caller, I would rather him have a guy that's like. Oh no, we're gonna go berserk here, as opposed to a rookie who's probably going to err on the side of like conservativity in in the passing game. Do you guys? Um, but is, but you... is he more exciting than Taysom Hill? No, Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill gets me whored. <laughs> I fucking love Taysom Hill. What? I Dude, ta- love Taysom Hill. Taysom's great because he's like. When we gave him the money we did, it's not like we're paying him that much to be a backup quarterback. We're paying him that much to be a spot quarterback, a spot receiver, a spot tight end, a spot special teams gunner, a spot running back. Like he he does a lot. And instead of paying all of those people more money than that, we can just pay Taysom. I mean, he look he knows he's an intern getting <laughs> he knows he's an intern getting overworked. He knows he's, that. But he's okay he's also it. making a fraction of what that contract actually is. That's like the all-time mm-hmm. fake contract. <laughs> every single every single dollar on it is voidable. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> I like and or it's either I think no no I think this year is guaranteed, but it's but it's backloaded like 130 million of is backloaded and and non-guaranteed or something like that. Like I think it ended up only being like a one-year extension or something. Maybe a two, but it, re- regardless, the, yeah, that that is one of the ultimate like bullshit agent cockamamie things. But the reason I love Taysom most is because he just pisses NFL people off. Because like he actually is an effective player. He's not like a franchise quarterback, which I feel like people love to like hold him up to that yardstick. But when you look at him as like an effective. 53 man roster player he's fucking incredible like, he caught like eight touchdown passes last year and that was like <laughs> one of four positions he played i mean like, well, he- sean, like sean payton called him steve young is probably where that comes from <laughs> i mean like he is one of it he is one of the worst passers that i that my eyes have ever ever laid upon but i mean at this point, like with the way that the Saints, the way that the Saints seasons have ended in the last three or four seasons, like just give me chaos at this point. It's ten, like, it's, like, ten, it's, like, it's ten seasons, Andrew. It's ten yeah, seasons. Yeah. <laughs> but like, but like, I'm at the point where like you can't hurt me anymore. We've lost three straight years on the last play of the game. And so uh, excluding this year, but prior to that. So it's like you, th- there is nothing this, this team could do to surprise me or like do any, I mean, it's just scar tissue at this point. And so uh, like, let's just let Sean Payton have the d- 40 touchdowns, 40 interceptions, and we'll go nine and seven. Andrew, I have a hypothetical for you about Taysom Hill that ran over in my mind last year, but didn't come to fruition. Okay. I'm curious to see how you feel about this. How would you have felt 
if the Taysom Hill starting Saints had not whooped on the quarterbackless Denver Broncos last year. When the Wait, entire Broncos quarterbacks room went out and they had to start Kendall Hinton in the Wildcat and Taysom Hill started for the Saints, which ended up going like, I don't know, 30 to 3 or something like that. But for the first like quarter, it was a little close and Taysom Hill looks gar- like garbage. If they had lost that game or at least only won it like 7 to 3, would that change your opinion on Taysom Hill? Joker. No, but- Joker. No. Uh, Andrew, we would have, we would have become the Joker. We, we were no, actively considering it. <laughs> it wouldn't it wouldn't have put me out on like I've never been in on Taysom as the franchise quarterback. I've been in on Taysom being like you having to spend a annoying portion of your week of practice scheming for this stupid fucking idiot Mormon guy, the, this, this, this septuagenarian Mormon that comes off and runs people over. I just love that it frustrates NFL coaches for an extra six hours of the game planning week, just because you'll line them up. You'll line them up in the wildcat. You'll line them up in tight, at tight end. You'll line them up in the slot. And like, he can actually cause problems on the offensive side of the football. But if he actually had to play quarterback for us, I would have killed my myself long ago Taysom is just he he's he's the best man I I love you Taysom Hill come on the show um I don't think I love you buddy is he cool he doesn't say like uh, you're real like you doesn't really seem uncool I don't know he went to BYU I don't know man uh, I feel like you know, Taysom Hill now is the idealized version of what Tim Tebow should have accepted he needed to be well, he Tebow's he trying now. Tebow's yeah, trying he's like now, like thirty-four, to... and going to be a tight end for the Jaguars. But like, if he had accepted after John Elway was like, "Oh, absolutely not! I refuse to have you be my quarterback anymore," and decided to like, you know, for late career Peyton Manning, if Tim Tebow had been, you know, the Taysom Hill role where he like comes in for like one Wildcat play a game and plays a lot of tight end and can like mix some stuff up with his you know seventeen second long throwing motion. I feel like that would have been a really nice career, and he could have ended up, much like y'all, sort of are caping for Taysom Hill. He could have been pretty well beloved. Wait, is is that motherfucker back? Did I see something that he was signing so, with the Jaguars? Tebow, like, reached out to the – this is hilarious. He reached out to the Jaguars because his – oh, <laughs> wonder who's coaching the Jacksonville Jaguars now. Probably um, a, a normal, well-adjusted guy with good body parts. Exactly. Um, and basically, he was like, look, I want to come play for you guys. I want to play – I want to work out. I want to play tight end. And he, at the very least, got a tryout at tight end with the Jaguars. Yeah, a conversation so started. I don't know if he's going to sign or if there's anything to it, but a conversation has started. Urban's I, indebted to the mob if he signs Tim Tebow. I'm sorry. There, there's no reason – to sign Tim Tebow in 2021 unless you're connected to a crime syndicate. I I mean, like, can, can we just, like, can we just bury Tebow? Can we just be done with him? The Mets don't care about you. The Jaguars don't care about you. Everyone on SEC Network now hates you because uh, you seem to uh, just think college athletes should should pay their meals off of sheer get-to and willpower. Um I, I just I'm I'm so done with Tim Tebow. I, as a lifelong Tim Tebow hater, have been done with Tim Tebow and a lifelong, uh, well, a a uh, half lifelong hater of Christianity. Uh, he is just really gets in my gets in my gut. Uh, but I'm 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 just beyond done with Tim Tebow. 
I'll like, go. I doubt he ever gets signed, but it like if Tim T- Tim Tebow could call an NFL club at fifty and ask for a tryout, and they'd probably give it to him because like if I were in that spot, I'd be like, oh shit, like fuck, this is a test from above. Like I'm going down under if th- if I don't <laughs> give it to him, type of deal. <laughs> you don't have to sign it, but if he's asking for a tryout, I- I'm I- I'm probably giving it to him. I'm not taking any chances. I watched the fourth quarter of those Broncos games. You absolutely cannot take that chance. There's, there, oh, what, I meant with my, uh, I meant with whatever happens to me in the afterlife. Who gives a shit about my GM job? I'm just giving him the trial based on that. No, yeah. I, I'm saying there was there was a higher power involved when he like learned how to throw with three minutes left in all of those games because he was he was doing something else for the first I'm just, seven minutes and then all of a sudden would score 17 points in the last three minutes of the game. I mean, he looked, I mean, to be fair, Matt Prater was hitting like 60 yard field goals to win the game every time, but still he was making two throws, which before he could make none. Rippy, it was, I'm just, it was a real uh, life Andrews on the outfield. Like we, it was a real life Andrews on the outfield. But Rippy, I, Rippy, I was just thinking it was like when, when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, <laughs> you fed me. When I was unsigned, you gave me a tryout. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. When I was down, you got to clean your own conscience there. Yes, yeah, no, it's it's a moral imperative to give Tebow a tryout, I do suppose. And I I feel like a lot of us don't appreciate him personally, and a lot of his speeches are about like you know college athletes should just like want it more, and that's how you eat food because like being paid is bad. But I feel like he could have easily had a long career. On the SEC network. I'm like, I think he's still on it, but like, whenever he would like get really riled up and give some two minute speech, people like ESPN Twitter accounts and all that shit would always like clip it and tweet that stuff out. Like, this Tim Tebow speech has us ready to run through a wall. Like, this is just like his like, I promise speech from, you know, back when he was at Florida and all of this stuff. Like, he could have so easily had, you know, a Herb Street, David Pollock, you know, Corso, like been just a fixture on game day. Moved from the SEC to probably to ESPN in a couple of years. And he just seems not interested in that and like keeps wanting to try anything else like playing for the Binghamton Mets. Like, come on, guy. I So are you saying we got to be empathetic toward him because toward him he's real stupid? No, I'm saying he's stupid and he <laughs> should feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess I do appreciate I guess I do appreciate him trying this like bullshit vanity project because if he were on game day or whatever I would be forced to watch him now any of the coverage on him like I can pretty easily opt out of because it's on like niche ML like minor league baseball Twitter or whatever. Look, he he was great on SEC Network not because of anything that ever came out of his mouth. But because moms who watched the SEC from 2006 to 2009 fucking love Tim Tebow. It's, it, it is what it, it's the who was the Braves catcher that Spencer Hall always talks about. It, it was that Brian, Brian McCann. No, it was no, um, not no. Javi something. It was Javi. Yeah. Uh, oh, Javi Lo- Lopez. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Apparently he, every he, Atlanta mother was was all about the way he looked yes. in those baseball pants in the 90s. Yeah, Tim Tebow is Javi Lopez for SEC moms. Um, and it's like, look, you do good ratings. You say one good thing out of 34 every Saturday on SEC Nation. And you're a decent foil to Marcus Spears because he can just dunk on you for two hours um, on the show. And he could have just done that. I'm sure ESPN was paying him more than the Jaguars are about to pay him. Um, 
Definitely more than you make in minor league baseball. Oh, 1,000%. So, but he was making both. So good for him. <laughs> good for him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, As a college Tebow. football podcast, we are an expert on exploited labor and minor league baseball. Oh, boy. Man, you talk about – we are the world's most ethical minor league baseball podcast. I mean, we probably are. Uh, <laughs> it is minor league baseball opening day. So it let's is. give some shouts out to all the guys who are uh, – well, I guess we're recording this on Tuesday, but most of you will hear it later. But if, you, uh, if you're sticking with it in minor league baseball, good work. I'm sorry that you have to eat ramen and sleep on some host family's couch because your team refuses to play to pay you. But maybe in like four years you'll get a major league paycheck. We, well, we, you know can those, only, we can only hope. Well, you know, those the, the owners of those teams are very pressed in these trying times. I don't know if you heard, but billionaires have had a real rough go of it these last 15 months. Not the Steinbrenners, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, y'all are poor? Sorry, I couldn't relate. <laughs> the story of baseball from the beginning of time to, like, 2000. <laughs> I mean, kind of even still. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, the Dodgers have had, had the actual highest payroll for like the last five years, and they just won it. So, you know, yeah, it is I what mean, it is. Yeah, no, there is. Uh, the, and the, you, the, the funniest stat growing up that I feel like was referenced to death was the year that A-Rod was making more than the entire Devil Rays team, and it was Devil Rays then. Oh, God. good. I'm I'm pretty sure he still is with his contract at the ESPN. Well, no, now he's like the owner of um the Timberwolves. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah, the interests you... coming together. I was about to say, how do you feel, KP? You know, it's fine. A Rod clearly just wants to do something, so I appreciate that because a lot of pro sports owners just like want to do it because they want to say they're an owner. But no, it feels like A Rod's itching to do something, especially since he just broke up with J Lo. I like, so I, like he, that, he, he, I like that A Rod and J Lo together were like, "Hey, we can buy the Mets." And then when it's just A Rod, he's like, "I guess maybe the Timberwolves." <laughs> Man's just wants to be in the mix. <laughs> Although I, d- I did really love all of the the Anthony Edwards content that came after that. That he was like, "Yeah, I mean, he's my owner. I want him to be happy. I hope he gets back with J Lo. She's hot." <laughs> Wait, who was J Lo seen with recently? A Rod. A Rod. Oh, is that no? No, she was seen with A Rod post breakup, though. That did happen. Uh, this is just football respects Ben Affleck. No, we don't do what is this an official take? I I I can't as director of communications for this podcast. I cannot endorse that statement. There is no one from from Boston that I have a modicum of respect for. (laughs) <laughs> Matt there Damon's is. okay Yeah but Bill Simmons Made that Matt Damon uncool I'm thinking really hard To try to refute that and I'm coming up empty Yeah I just I. Hey I um, Ner- Nerland's Noel's from Boston I'm pretty sure Okay I'll fuck with Nerland's Noel uh, My dad <laughs> uh, No Jer- God. Jury's still out yeah, jury's God still out. I don't know <laughs> Um, but guys, but before we head into our headlining package of um, the evening, I do want to talk briefly about the draft, namely just one thing that made me laugh out loud. Uh, remember when the Bears signed Andy Dalton for honestly no good reason, um, <laughs> and then they traded up 
Well, no, they tweeted out QB1 with Andy Dalton in a Bears Photoshop. And I'm not sure I've ever seen a pro sports team get packed up that hard until the Raiders' unfortunate George Floyd tweet. Um, <laughs> like, they, they – <laughs> the Bears got packed up pretty hard just for, like, supporting an employee on the timeline. Also, um, not to derail your point, KP, but didn't uh, – mm-hmm. what's his face? Uh, the bull haircut P.F. Chang's guy, uh, Mark Davis. Um, didn't he pretty much admit? Didn't he pretty much admit to like almost like sending that out himself, which is probably a lie. But I thought that was a weird thing to fall on the sword for. He basically well, I mean, just—he's the owner. He doesn't have to fall on any sword. He could have just like pushed an employee onto it. But he came out and he was literally, like, no, it was my literally. idea. I. <laughs> Hit send, I guess. I assume what he had to like. Hell? I don't. I'm he. That man definitely doesn't know how to work a phone. So I'm sure he had someone like make the graphic and hit send on it. But he was like, no, it was all me. But you know, like as this is a learning experience, we want to leave it up. And it was like, buddy, you can learn <laughs> other ways. If yeah, I had, a, if I had a billion dollars, I would not own a computer, and I would own a flip phone. I may not own a. That's phone. a. That's a. That's a good take. Yeah, it's, I have no reason to – the only reason I own a phone now is to just, like, talk to people that aren't here right now or to just, like, do stuff for work. Like, if I if I have a billion dollars, there's no reason for me to ever text more than, like, five or six people. Yeah, if no. you have money or a platform, there's no reason for you to, like, be online. Nothing good will come out of that. It's Which like is Elon why... Musk. I was about to say that, which is so funny, just but like the only thing that makes me happy about Elon Musk is that like he will never be happy because no one that he wants to think is like he is cool will think he is cool. Like every person that thinks he's cool, he knows is a fucking jagaloon. And it just makes me really funny or makes me my heart warm that the fucking one of the world's most evil douchebags will never actually like achieve the thing that he wants to achieve, which is like, be cool to young people. Yeah. It's, it's like, uh, you know, how KD, although none of us will ever be able to relate to anything he can do physically because he is the greatest like scoring threat in NBA history and should not be physically possible. will always be the most relatable superstar because he is terminally online. And there's no reason for that man to be as online as he is, but he physically cannot log off just the way the rest of us can. And I appreciate it. I love him so much. That man just tweeting his, uh, why are you lying on TV, Shannon? I think that's the hardest I've laughed at a tweet in the last two years. Or that one where the, he responded to that random guy and the guy like told him to chill. And he's like, there ain't no chill on here. Like it's like 100. I don't forget what the quote was. Now I'm fucking it up. But that was a good one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find it right now. (laughs) He was talking on this app. He was, he was shit talking with Michael Rappaport, and, and he was like, Michael Rappaport, who's like unknown shit talking scumbag. He was like, we talk worse like this in person, and Michael Rappaport was like, no, we do not. (laughs) Also, wasn't KD the guy who's, uh, like, it's like his MySpace page or something was, I'm me, I do me, and I chill. No, his Twitter bio is still "I'm me, I do me, and I chill." My apologies. It's for been that since he that got with his MySpace. <laughs> no, but what the thing my... is, he got Twitter like in 2000. I, I follow Kevin. I follow Kevin Durant on Twitter for like ten years now, and it's been his bio since the day I followed him. So, 
Okay, I yeah, found he... the tweet. He responded to something, and then someone quote tweeted, "Relax, big dog. You're Kevin Durant. Life is too sweet." And he replied, "There's no relax, champ. No relax when I'm on Twitter. I'm on ten until the second I close the app. You relax." He <laughs> he, he just he responded he responded his his tweet to Michael or his DM to Michael Rappaport was, "I heard it." all before you cunt chuck doesn't need you as a security you pale pasty cum guzzling bitch i swear i'm gonna spit in your face when i see your dirty ass bet my life on it i love him so much <laughs> jesus <laughs> you like- i want to hate i want to hate him and people who are like i can't believe he joined the 73 win warriors get over it he's the best thing that's ever happened to the internet he's good like Durant yeah is unqualified, extremely chaotic, good. I mean, he's like ar- arguably, arguably uh, other than like I would say peak LeBron, I would say he's probably the second like his best season ever is probably the second most skilled, like the second most technically proficient ability to play basketball that any human has ever ever done and the only guy better than him i don't think in a million years would be caught with like someone being able to be like yeah imagine lebron james calling someone a pasty cum guzzling bitch (laughs) i would like to see it if we're being honest i I want that to happen i'm curious who could draw lebron james ire just like the the most vicious thing that we can think about lebron james is the you bum tweet like could you imagine how much you have to like insult that man for him to call and, you a pasty cum guzzling bitch? <laughs> and oh. KD's just the best. He's the best poster in league history, and I think he's the best poster across all leagues, at least currently. I think, I think you he's have the to... best poster in league history, and that includes like NBA Twitter, like people whose job it is to post and not play sports. He's better at it than they are. You have to like – you have to grade on somewhat of a curve because, you know, there are some people back in like the – like Dennis Rodman would have – Dennis Rodman's a great poster now. <laughs> so just imagine what he would have been in his playing days. You know, um, Michael Jordan is a bad poster now. But I don't know, maybe when he was like the coolest guy on the planet, he would have been a good poster. I mean, he was. I mean, he's like no, no, like notably one of the greatest shit talkers of all time. And so he would, he would, he would have added people and flown no, them to Chicago to kick their ass in one on one. No, but see, the thing with Jordan though is like he was always he was always brand over anything. So like he was more like LeBron in that. Like, like but the funny thing about Durant is like at, there was a point in time where KD was like. It, like he had literally the most endorsement deals of any NBA athlete. Like, like number wise, he was sponsored by like 16 different companies or something. And like, he has some wild tweets from the early Twitter days. KD, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. um, I he's mean, he offered to like, he was getting like Sprite bags, like insurance company money, Nike shoe money. Like, I mean, this is like, at like top of the top line and still just absolutely wiling on Twitter. He's also so, to drink he, to drink multiple women's bathwater on on Twitter. I just have, on on the timeline. Question: Do do DMs count as posting? Because because if so, uh, I would like to submit 
uh, who I believe it was J.R. Smith who used to respond to like women oh. DMing him being like, hey, I'm going to see you at the garden tonight. Oh. And he would just straight up oh. respond like, you trying to get this pipe? You trying to get the pipe? An, abs- oh. an absolute all-time, all-time line. Oh, no. Do you guys remember the, the, the full DM conversation was she said um, – someone said, hey, I'm going to the garden, and I'm sitting like in this section. Would love to talk to you for a little bit. And then he just sent the eye emoji. Nothing else. And then oh, she said yeah. – and then she said, LOL, what? And then he said, you trying to get the pipe. <laughs> and I actually think this wasn't one of those like wannabe groupie situations. I, I actually think she was just like a regular fan just like DMing one of her favorite players. Like, hey, I'm going to be in the section. Like, come away or whatever. I, just, <laughs> I think uh, – okay, I'll say this. I think if you are a professional athlete, DMs count – as like posting because you have to know that like there is a decent chance that this is going to get screenshotted or shit like like if kd has to know that if he's dming somebody unless it's like another person like on like another nba player or someone famous that like the power dynamic is going to lend itself to like holy shit i'm dming with kevin durant i'm going to show x y or z yeah that person either needs to be significantly more famous than you or like a like true very real friend and like yes. not even some of your like kind of friends because i feel like a, a, there's got to be a lot of like kind of friends who are still willing to sell you out for the right dm but like damn yeah it has like it ha- yeah it has to be like a a pre-fame like a pre-fame friend or someone who has as much to lose as you do and Kevin Durant just that I mean he's so he's so so great. I I'm just scrolling through uh the NBA uh the NBA scoreline tonight. The Suns beat the Cavaliers by 16 points in a game that went to overtime. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. That sounds like um uh they outscored the, them tw- 20 to 4 in overtime. Do you know that? Do you know that that meme? It's like of a, it's some old cartoon, but it's like a gnome, and it just says like, "I am a motherfucker," and it's like a gnome like with his fist yes. up. That's yes. Chris Paul. That's just Chris Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know this is uh, this is the world's most ethical college football podcast, but uh, as someone that grew up watching Chris Paul, I feel like I have um, we 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 have a at all times willing to discuss Chris Paul on this podcast. And he would be second in the MVP if I had an MVP vote this year behind Jokic. Second He's behind so... whom? Jokic. It, yeah. I am out. Oh, my God. I love both of them so much. Can we, Which is... can we talk for a second? I feel like this this podcast is a group of people who will appreciate that, that Nikola Jokic, like, turned down the nickname of Big Honey so that he could go by Joker. Which is just worse. No, Joker's cool. But it's his name is a soft J. It's Jokic. He, he got his nickname because Shaq kept mispronouncing his name for like the first three or four years of his career. That's how he that's how he got Joker. Yeah, I also one of do- his own teammates said he's enormous and everything he does is so smooth. He's big honey. And then he was like, No, I don't like that. It's like how KD turned down Slim Reaper. The same thing. That's so that's his, and then didn't he try to get it back? Like, no, he, he try to make sort of. He, he no, tweeted like he, he tweeted said, like I one want to be known as the servant. Oh yeah. That's oh, I mean. that's so bad. 
that he was I do feel like we forget that like he was a great poster but he was like chronically uncool for a while like very serious like emo energy there for a while I think that's what led to his true posting ability was was I his think roots. so too I think so too you you can't get one without the other the uh oh sorry go ahead KP Oh, I wasn't going to say anything. Um, I was just going to say, in speaking of getting back to Roots, fellas, we all grew up watching weird comedies in the 2000s. Uh, I think we were all born within the same two-year period. So we, all sort of, so we all kind of came of age, you know, in the early 2000s and going in throughout that entire decade. Obviously, a lot of great movies came out, but um, there's one actor that kind of, in my opinion, really stood head and shoulders above everyone else. Having what, could, having what could very possibly be the best decade any single actor has ever had, at least movie-wise. Folks, I'm also obviously talking about the GOAT, Bill Farrell. Um, and tonight, we're going to find out what his best movie was mm. um, of the 2000s. Obviously, this is um, we only had room for eight, so we had a couple of omissions. Bewitched, sorry, you're out. Um, Semi-pro, which I know has a weird special place in Andrew's heart, you're out. Um, but we've got a good uh, we got a good crew tonight. Um, you guys want to hear the first? Well, you've seen the first matchup. You guys want to get into it? I, Let's get weird. I'm I'm ready to to make some enemies and alienate alienate some people tonight. So. In our first matchup, we've got Anchorman versus Talladega Knights. There are, I mean, for me, it's almost hard to rank Anchorman because it's become, it's the one movie on this list that's become bigger than what it is. It's like the most memeable movie. Um, you search Will Ferrell gifts like on Twitter or whatever. It's all from Anchorman. Um but Talladega I mean, Nights also had a there's, great following, too. So, I don't know. What do you guys think? There were no men, like, around our age and probably up maybe 10 years who, for, like, a two-year period, didn't make Sex Panther jokes based off of Anchorman. <laughs> like, that's the cultural influence it had, still to this day, is truly kind of mind-blowing to think about. Like it is, it is pretty astonishing when you think back on just like how many people saw that movie and how influential it was. Like people still like, you know, move into a new place and it's like, oh, like my apartment smells of rich mahogany and like all that shit. Like that movie <laughs> was, I will say of, and I could be proven wrong later in this bracket because I have uh, conveniently forgotten all the rest of the movies that you've listed. That is definitely probably the most quotable and the most impactful of any movie that he was in in this decade yeah i mean it, it, there were not like there there were 60 to 70 percent of like lunch table conversations that were simply sustained off of volleying these quotes back and forth like i, I, I before i even saw the movie i was saying i love lamp just because that's what people that's what guys our age did i don't know what the fuck it meant i hadn't seen that movie yet and <laughs> seen that scene but it's like, it i love Corell and rudd became extremely more famous afterwards because yeah, Carol had that and then 40 year old virgin and the office premiere like all in the same like eight month span or something like that it was crazy 
Yeah, I, I'm I, I'm giving I'm giving my nod to uh, I'm giving my nod to Anchorman here. I uh, Rip, unless you're going to step in here, I would like to take a second and just acknowledge that this should not be a clean sweep. It's not going as, to. It's not going to be for me. So I agree with most everything y'all said. We actually was doing something at work today where I was writing a campaign for where the restaurant chain we were at was. Well, founded in San Diego, and the first thing I thought of was Whale's Vagina. But to be honest, <laughs> to be completely honest about it, I remember distinctly the first time I saw both of those movies, and I thought Talladega Nights was actually funnier the first time I saw saw it out of both of them. So I don't hate either, and I don't want to like nag Anchorman, but I would actually probably put my vote for Talladega Nights. I just thought it was objectively funnier the first time I watched it. So, so I guess I, I know that these are certainly subjective criteria here, but what are we operating off of? Like what we laughed hardest initially at, what has the best staying power, what's the most quotable, some like, co- like convoluted combination of all of those to just deem best? Like what, what, is, what is the advancing factor here or the primary? I just sort of assumed the, we would be operating off of the same basic operating principles of this podcast, which is just sort of like to each his own. You know, the most so so out. the most ethic which which movie is most ethical, right? Exactly. Elf, yeah. Elf yes, yes. <laughs> Certainly. Yeah, uh, but for me and and Rippy, I kind of agree with you there. Um, I I loved Anchorman the first time I saw it, but I kind of laughed at it because I again it has been quoted so much, and I knew I was supposed to laugh at this because I knew enough people that who I thought were funny thought that was funny. So I just like really went along with it. Talladega Nights, I mean, gut-busting laughing. I'll also give a slight edge to Talladega Nights because it's one of the best cast Will Ferrell movies. I mean, mm-hmm. Gary Cole, Jane Lynch, John C. Riley, um, Sasha Baron Cohen. It's, uh, it, it's, it's, and everyone brings their A game too. No one, Michael Clark Duncan, no one mails it in in Talladega Nights. I mean, they're I, all going full throttle. I truly think and maybe this is just because I, I need to rewatch the original Anchorman because I don't think I've seen the first like the first one in a long time. But Talladega Nights might be like, if not the one of the single funniest movies I've ever seen. Like every single thing about that movie is just note perfect. And yeah. being from the South too, like I have a soft spot for the whole like <laughs> the whole like bad Southern accent, like haha, making fun of it type of thing. And also, the dad in Talladega Nights is one of my favorite fictional characters of all time. <laughs> I love that guy. Reese Bobby? Yes. He's, you, can be, look, you can be second? You can be third? Fourth? Hell! You can be fifth. He goes, I was high when I said that. Oh, hell, I was high. <laughs> I, I, do, I do think the, the I got two, who needs two is one of the best, like, closing jokes of a movie. <laughs> like, that... That shit just hits perfectly. <laughs> he gets uh, he gets kicked out of the school or whatever, and then like he looks at the janitor and was like, "Fuck you, we were cellmates together." And then hops in the car and tells him, "See you when you're grown up." Like that's a power move. <laughs> the kid could have had bad vibes. <laughs> okay, so I, my, I'm officially voting for Talladega Nights here. Um, I, I didn't like expect the vibe myself to, but. You know, Ooh, I, I I'm wasn't still, sure we would have this, but I'm still sticking with Anchorman. That's my vote. All right, Ross, what's what do you say? I have a quarter here. I think I gotta go Talladega. All right. Well, in in an upset, Talladega Knights moves on.
Um, this is a loaded bracket. This is, you know, I mean, it's an elite eight, right? So it's going to be, there are going to be some upsets. Next, um, we've got kicking and screaming versus stepbrothers. Um, I think kicking and screaming personally is sort of like the boxer that just gives you 12 rounds of hell. And it's really not clear who wins each round, but going up against stepbrothers, man. I mean, again, great casting and stepbrothers too. Um, so you're I, saying I, kicking, I, kicking and screaming is the Logan Paul of? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I got I got to go Step Brothers personally. Kicking and screaming is great. I think it's actually a great storyline. It's one of the better like actual like movie movies in this bracket. But Step Brothers, man, I just gut busting lot from the opening scene. Um, and also I have a crush on Mary Steenburgen, so you know that has a lot to do with it. But I got Step Brothers moving on. Yeah, I I think kicking and screaming probably doesn't get the like respect it deserves because it it will it lands some truly exceptional jokes, <laughs> yeah. Um, including some of us might forget, and I should look this up before I say it because I might be wrong. But I'm fairly certain that uh, old Uncle Bucky, who was like the grandfather's son. Mm-hmm. Was Josh Hutcherson, who then like went on to become really famous with the Hunger Games movies and all that, like he was the piece of shit same age kid who just happened to be his uncle because the like <laughs> grandfather kept getting remarried. Kicking and screaming, like really, there were a lot of very good jokes in that movie, and it's I, I need to revisit it because it's it's got some good stuff, but. I think I think Step Brothers is a is a buzzsaw of a movie. Yeah, I mean Adam Scott, Captain Han, the Catalina wine mixer, um, you know and, Andrea Andrea Savage heat check in that movie as well. Um, <laughs> wait, what? Andrea Savage heat checking in Step oh, Brothers yeah. as the as the therapist. <laughs> the uh, I I I mean I don't want to give too much away, but I mean I. I do think that, like, in my entire life, this may be the hardest I've ever laughed at an individual movie. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, now, granted, like, there, it, it is tough because it's like, all right, you're 14. Like, a lot of things are funny. But, I mean, the, in when, he, when they were arguing in the bed, he was like, yeah, well, you're just a big, fat, curly-headed fuck. I just... <laughs> I, I think the lesson to take from these first two matchups, and you know, this could change, but as talented of a dramatic actor as he is, there is something that John C. Riley brings out of Will Ferrell that, like, mm. is truly like shouldn't be possible. It really is. It really is amazing. Now, I do want to give, I do want to give kicking and screaming its due because I, I think. This may be the most underrated Will Ferrell movie of this time. Like Mike Ditka, as for a piece of a shit, he, he's so goddamn funny in this movie. <laughs> Ditka's truly exceptional. Like I, out of nowhere too. <laughs> yeah, and like real lines too, like a real role. Not, go not like Bong. not like LeBron and. Um... Trainwreck, which I mean, LeBron was hilarious in Trainwreck, but that was clearly okay. Cool, we're gonna groove these few pitches to him, and he'll knock him out, and that's that. No, like Mike Dicka was just like a character, <laughs> kicking and screaming. I, I agree, 
No, I agree. I can't. I hate that this is like the first round matchup because another part about the kicking and screaming thing is you forget it came out in 2005. So we were like eight years old, or no, I guess 10. Sorry, that's shit math. Um, <laughs> watching a Will Ferrell movie, which is a lot different than 13 years old watching a Will Ferrell movie. Like that was appropriate for kids for the most part. Um, so I thought that was underrated as well. But with that said, the uh, Step Brothers is hands down the funniest movie I've ever seen. Um, I, I like that's a clear cut number one. So I I have no problem clean sweeping this. One of so my my girlfriend and one of my best friends have never seen Step Brothers, and oh, like we God. like we lost it, and we we're like I I'm excited to watch it through someone's eyes watching it for the first time. There's no way it I mean, it's nothing could be funnier than a new Will Ferrell movie to a thirteen or a fourteen year old, but um but I, I at least get to watch it through somebody who hasn't seen it soon. Andrew, it's also one curious. of those deals where you could talk to ten people and I know the Catalina wine mixer line is probably pretty famous, but if you just talk about like scenes or whatever, you could talk to ten people and they could have ten different famous scenes. Like I like the punch me in the fucking face scene as well as the, like, eat your dick in international water scenes. And there's, like, 15 more that you could name off the top of your head. That movie's you a masterpiece. Act- you actually witnessed him eat, eat a man's penis? <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, I'm very uh, curious to see what, like, moderately grown adults watching Step Brothers for the first time. Like, what's that like? You know, because we all have, like obviously the jokes hold up for us. Like we still think they're funny, but like when you're exposed to those for the first time in your early teens, like that is, that is the prime target market to think that that is the single funniest thing you've ever seen in your life. What I do think is going to be interesting is like, I don't think that they're necessarily going to find it funny, but I do think they are going to be interested to like, hear origin stories of quotes they've definitely heard hundreds of times yeah like that's what this is very much unlike a will ferrell movie but this happened to me the first time over quarantine i watched casablanca for the first time which is like you know considered one of these all like every single other thing someone said in that movie was like a quote that i'd heard before and was like told was famous i was like holy shit like everything that people quote that's like serious and not you know the catalina fucking wine mixer it's from Casablanca. As, as I was taught in high school, it was like the only movie made before 1950. <laughs> All right, KP, who you got up next? Um, real quick, I just wanted to one last note on Step Brothers. It's it reminded me of like the MLB All Star Game, where it's it's a bunch of pitchers just giving you absolute fucking heat for one inning and then just dipping out. Like Rob Riggle was in Step Brothers, remember? Like, <laughs> And he was great in it. Seth, and then he Seth, like Seth Rogen popped in. Seth, <laughs> <laughs> just like like Adam Scott and Catherine Hahn are only in like three scenes, like total, and they <laughs> and they steal it. Um, next up, we've got probably I probably should have moved these around a little bit, but we've got Old School versus Zoolander. I know Ross hasn't seen Old School. Um, wild, wild. I, I extreme. I was hoping to, you want to explain to yourself. Sit this one out. I. I remember when Old School came out because I remember seeing the posters at the Highlands Ranch movie theater that my family used to go to, which was the second best movie theater that we went to. And I like didn't get it because I was like, I was like eight and it was all about like drinking beer. And I was like, I don't get this. Um, And I just somehow never got around to it. Like, I don't I didn't have any close friends for whom it was like, you know, a seminal text who would like insisted that I watch it, you know? 
So I, I'm aware that people love it. I'm aware of like a lot of the famous quotes from it, but it just, for some reason, although I've seen, you know, I watch like 120 movies a year. It just somehow old school has never been on the list. I know I need to do it. I just haven't gotten around to it. And I, I apologize to everyone listening that I've, the funny, the funny part about old school is it's one of those where had you watched it when you were younger, you probably, or if you were anything like me, you probably would have watched it a lot again because it was on TBS and like Comedy Central syndication so much that like so much more for some reason, I feel like than any of the other Will Ferrell movies that I ended up just like having it on when I was a kid so often because I thought it was hilarious the first time I saw it. It still is on to this day. Really? All the time. <laughs> I went home for Easter, and Old School was on twice on my parents' cable on TBS or TNT or whatever the hell it was. It's still that. That's still the case, very much. So yeah, I so have funny. I have a question for those of us that are obviously more cultured than I am and have seen Old School. Do you think, like, would the TBS version hold up for your first watch, or do you need to watch like the real mm. edition without the like all the edits for you know basic cable? You need yeah. to watch old school, not for all of these movies, but old school, you 100% need the full, because it's about a college campus, right? Like you, that's what I figured. You, you I've definitely seen it on cable before, and I thought this will be a subpar experience. I don't want to watch this. And it's one of those where if you find Will Ferrell humor funny, like, like having like not grown up on Will Ferrell movies, catching one now, it like that you haven't seen, you won't think it's funny probably, but it, like if you found all of the other ones and saw all of the other ones, like you're going to enjoy this. Like, ob- yes, it will be dated, but it's like, it will fit in with that universe extremely well. I will, I will, I will put it down on the schedule. I will watch it sometime in the you, next three. You know, weeks. what's it, you know, what's interesting with all of the, uh, like, na- like now it's our, our first like taste of like, Oh shit. We're like, actually like a little bit, not young anymore. And like, things are coming back into style that we remember being in style. And like, you see like the baggy jeans are back and like, we've got like, we're almost past the like nineties is a vintage era. And we're now in the like, Oh God, early two thousands as a vintage era. And so like, <laughs> I'm wondering if, these like is Gen Z's brain broken uh like beyond like uh like like is their sense of humor far too uh just uh, I don't know what you want to call it but like to end up going back and watching these as like a vintage movie like will these ever come back into being funny they're gonna try to cancel Will Ferrell um I mean they literally tried to cancel Robert Downey Jr. for um Tropic Thunder I don't know if you guys remember that. <laughs> yes, that was amazing. Um, yeah, no, these uh, Gen Zs, everything I've seen from them online, they just refuse to believe that anything that happened before they were born like, exists. Like, you know, there's, like, there's a famous TikTok, a girl, she tries to make something called blackout water, and she thinks she invented the vodka soda. Um, it's. <laughs> I forgot about the blackout water TikTok. It's, oh it's, my god! It is literally a vodka soda. Quite they literally, that. pour a bunch of vodka. I don't even think it's like a Lacroix. I think it's straight up an unflavored seltzer. And then they like squirt some lime into it, and they were like, "Trust me, this is gonna taste like water and like get you so fucked up." And it's like, "Yeah, it's a vodka <laughs> soda." 
<laughs> but um, I, I, the other movie in this bracket, I, I think we're pretty clear on what's advancing here. I love Zoolander as a movie, but it's it's a Ben Stiller movie. Um, but Will Ferrell is so great in it, I almost had to include it over like Bewitched, which I don't think any of us have even like paid attention to, if we've even seen it more than once. I've seen um, Bewitched at least twice. And that's a little, little troubling. Yeah, I, I would give the nod to old school, <laughs> which I've never seen. Um, but no, I will say Zoolander is when I first saw that movie in probably like ninth grade, I think was the first time I watched it. I truly believed at the time it was the single funniest thing I'd ever seen. Now, will it is not enough of a Will Ferrell movie. And if we're judging this in a Will Ferrell bracket, I cannot in good conscience move it on, even though I've never seen the other movie, but that is, I feel like we don't appreciate that. That hasn't like aged into the zeitgeist the way like Anchorman and Step Brothers have. And I think like when you first watched it, you walked out of that theater or like walked away from your TV if you watch it on DVD or something like that, thinking that Zoolander was you know note for note as funny as any of the other ones. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a I'm gonna go out on a limb here. I think Elf should have been here over over Zoolander. That's oh, yeah, KP, because KP made this bracket and he's an elf hater because he hates Christmas and is dumb as shit and Elf is an amazing movie. I I just don't I don't see I don't see Zoolander as a Will Ferrell movie. It's definitely the movie on here that I have seen least out of all of them. It's it, very funny, but I I would I would I think Will Ferrell might be better in or I might prefer him in Wedding Crashers over Zoolander as well. Well, the thing is, I almost put Wedding Crashers here, but well, he's got a heat check in Wedding Crashers. He's not really, you know, like that's a that's a Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson buddy comedy. That um, is true. It it might be his most unhinged character, though. Yes, yes, and I put Zoolander in here, be and not Elf, not not just because I hate Elf, but Zoolander fits the rest of these movies. It's like imagine if the NCAA tournament was if the Elite Eight was like seven power conference teams and then just like uh, I'm like the University of Toronto like it's just not the same. it's not the same we need yeah, to start getting Canadian Toronto, like, has all the Toronto Raptors like it's amazing but it's not the same yeah um so uh, we've all got old school moving on all right yeah let's what's what's the last matchup in round one KP last matchup in round one is Blades of Glory against the other guys um oh that's so rude did this one specifically to ang- <laughs> Ross in anguish. KB, this is I told tough. You, I told you pre this matchup, before you showed us the bracket, that I would hate for Blades of Glory because I do believe it is an underrated Will Ferrell comedy from this era. And it is the second best John Heater performance. Eh, no, I'll give it third um, because uh, Bench, Bench Warmers, Warmers is, 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 is actually amazing. Um, the other guys, I think, has aged better than all of these other ones. Like as, I was as about funny as all say, these other ones, I was but about the other to guys say that holds up in our mid twenties, which we now all are, like truly. Because it's a definitely a different vibe than the rest of these movies. Like it is a, I don't know exactly how to describe it, but. It's like a capital uh, S serious it, movie, sort of. You know. Yeah, it brings it, a different energy than all these other ones. But it also just the, the one, running joke of Will Ferrell being so attractive to every single attractive woman in this movie and like 
these people like come back here and fuck my wife. Like there is, <laughs> it is truly every single joke in that movie is perfect. He was like, what, what at the very end, he was like, who did you lose your virginity to? He's like, you might've heard of her, Heather Locklear. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, no, the, the, uh, the other guys I do feel like was like, I could be, I could be wrong here in the, the tiering of this, but I do feel like when like, call it 2012 when all of these were like out in the world, but like we hadn't given time to, to like look back and see what had really held up. I felt like it was like an anchorman stepbrothers, um, Talladega nights, like upper echelon. And then the other ones were kind of grouped together. And I feel like the other guys, like Ross was saying, has, has aged the best out of these in, in terms of like what we actually find funny. And another movie with like, kind of just absurdly good care like the rock is it samuel L. jackson just pops in like obviously Wahlberg. like like a lot of in i mean eva mendez is in it like big big names and i will say i have two two points to make on the other guys that are very important one um is that i was told this episode would be michael keaton based uh who is featured very oh, perfectly yeah. in the other guys and might, might be might be the actual AD. best character he truly, the actual like, best character. TLC, uh, nothing. Uh, just Captain. But um, <laughs> I'm very upset with KP for pulling the bait and switch on me and not giving me a Michael a Michael Keaton uh, podcast. However, um, there are. This may say more about me than anything else. There are like two moments in my life that I remember sitting in a movie theater that I truly thought I was going to fall out of my chair from laughing so hard. Um. And one of them is when Brad Pitt, incredibly high on acid, starts beating up the Manson family at the end of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I don't know why I think it's the funniest thing I've ever seen, but it is truly amazing. And the other one is a really, like, it's not one of the most famous jokes, but in the other guys, towards the end, as they're being chased, and they run onto the driving range at Chelsea Piers in New York City. They're facing <laughs> out the water, and there's the double range driving range. And they, like run onto the range, hold up their badges and say, we're cops, aim for the chopper. And all of the people on this double-deck driving <laughs> range start aiming their drive of golf balls at a fucking helicopter. I still to this day, like, it is, I just cannot get over how perfect, like, it's not even like a, a well-crafted joke. It's just the funniest thing I've seen. And I, I love, love that movie. Underrated part of the other guys. Um, first of all, first time I ever saw Damon Wayans Jr. on screen, I was like, "Damn, that guy looks really familiar." And it's like, oh, it's, one of, it's one of your favorite actor's sons. Like, <laughs> you're getting old, and you're only 16, Kevin. Fuck you. Um, but it's um, and again, one of the funniest lines ever. And it's like it's low hanging fruit. It's not even a top 10 funny line in the movie, but near the end, when Damon Wayans Jr. is like. Hope you like prison food and penis. <laughs> and he's so proud of himself when he says it. <laughs> what was the cutoff for these Will Ferrell movies? Because I have one that probably should have made it depending on the date. Just the decade, uh, 2000 to 2010. We cheated. We added so an extra KP year. KP but... incorrectly 
the judge a decade, I think, to add the other guys because no, the decade should be 2000 to 2009. Well, Zoolander was 01, so I, I was going to mention the, the campaign, but that was later. That, campaign's that was, secretly kind of funny, man. I've seen it a couple the times. Campaign, well, go watch it to, to, today, and it's supposed to be a spoof on American politics, and it's really evolved into a mirror image. You know, I, I actually I haven't can watched that, that movie that would be since incredibly college. Upsetting. Yeah, I bet that is actually. I bet that actually does hold up pretty well. Now. I remember enough of the jokes that I'm sure that would, as a, as a real life former political campaign staffer, that was my actual job. I'm sure that that movie would upset me so much now. It, it will upset you how realistic it is because it's not intended to be at all. It's, seriously, it's a good exercise. I do actually still kind of do it somewhat infrequently. Uh, at least once a year, I'll go back and watch it. Back, holy shit! Like this is getting closer and closer to being a documentary. The when he got bit by the snake, and he was the just the like lines of like 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 the the metaphors for pain that he was like staple my nips to my balls and make me do sit ups. It hurts. <laughs> oh my god, that got me. Well, like that. Charlotte right. Sparkler up my dick hole. The, the, the last one, where like one of the, like they're at the dinner or whatever, and he puts the beard on Marty Huggins, and he's like, "The last time I saw a beard like that, it was on Saddam Hussein, and I believe we never caught his brothers Uday and Falafel." <laughs> Jesus, uh, oh. that might be a great place to. Uh, you know, stop for the night. We'll we'll continue this bracket next week because we're we're well over time at this point. Oh um, shit, Pelicans! Pelicans are trying to blow a lead. Yeah, I'm out. Folks, any parting shots? I think that was perfect from Andrew. Honestly, <laughs> America, Jesus, and freedom. Cambradio twelve. All I can say is that it's Christina. Hey, folks, just do me one favor. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Really?